If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Uh, between Pastor Jeremiah speaking two weeks ago and then Pastor Heather last week, uh, I hope, I was glad to see y'all come back. <laughs> I'm just, that is, Uh, no, you're, you're the reason why they came back, I'm sure. Amen. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. for. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so blessed as a pastor to be able to, to travel and you know, just be at our other locations when I need to and have such strength here, such strength in preaching and bringing the Word and taking care of our church. Um, I'm always, you know, I have pastors that come and, to our church from time to time and, and they'll tell me, how is it that you have this many quality people in your church? And I said, well, I'm pretty awesome, you know, so um, what can I say? No, just kidding, no. I just said, I don't know, but I sure am glad they're here. God has, God has richly blessed us with rich, strong, powerful people. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm understanding more and more what the reason is for that because we are a place where we train men and women up and we send them out with our message. Amen, and, and this, is, this is how we're working right now. So, okay, we got to get into the Scriptures. All right, Romans chapter 7, uh, chapter 6, verse 23, ended with, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 1 of 7 says, Or do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Now, what I need to do right now at this moment is to bring some clarity about this particular part of this scripture. Uh, because there's been a lot of misconception about it, all right? Now, let me, let me just go ahead and throw this disclaimer out there. I do not promote nor do I uh, believe in divorce, okay? Because uh, I, 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 I've seen how devastating it is to people's lives, how devastating it is to men and women and even their children and what it does to families. I hate seeing its results, you know. Um, I, I have friends who, who are ministers who have been divorced and were told by their organization that they could never be in the ministry of, again because of it, because both Timothy and Titus talk about the, uh, the leader, church leadership being the husband of one wife. And so they've taken that to the nth degree to say, well, that means that if you marry again, then it disqualifies you from the ministry. And all that's talking about is having a monogamous relationship, not a polygamous relationship. All right? That's all he's talking about. He's not saying that you could never marry again. That's not even what Paul is addressing. He's, a, he's talking about them. That leadership has a standard which is, should be the picture of Christ in his church. So it needs to be the husband of one wife to take out any confusion in the matter and rule their children. And so that, that's all he's talking about. 
and uh, because many men at that time had more than one wife. Now, I can't even comprehend that. I mean, let's just be honest, fellas. Life can get complicated enough with one wife, right? I can't imagine any more. Heather is plenty of woman for me. Amen. Because do you agree with me tonight that I believe, and I think we all believe that a husband and wife should be together for life, right? And, and the only thing that should separate them is death. However, I have lived long enough on planet Earth to know that things happen. And these verses we just read have been used to shame people and to make them feel hopeless about their situation. And I want to just encourage all of you here, and maybe some of you here tonight have, have gone through a divorce there is always hope, all right? There is always hope. There is nothing, nothing outside that can extend or exceed the grace of Almighty God and His plans and the hope that He puts in your heart, okay? So, uh, I mean, let's just ask the woman at the well if there's hope, huh? Jesus said, uh, yeah, you've had five husbands, and the one you are shacking up with right now is not your husband right? Now, if there's no hope for this woman, how, why is he even wasting time with her, all right? That, because, so he comes to give us hope, and these verses that we just read are talking about what the law has to say about a woman who is divorced and becomes an adulteress if she marries an, another man while her husband is alive. And Paul is saying, this is what the law says. He's not saying, this is the staple standard, all right? All right, I want to help set you free because maybe you've been one of those who have been troubled by seeing those verses. And this is all under the context of the law, all right? I mean, God's plan is for a man and woman to get married and live their life together, to enjoy the grace of life for all of their life. Like I said, things do happen and devastation takes place at times, but God is with you. God is for you. And God is able to put the pieces back together, even do better than that, bring complete restoration into your life. All right? We believe in God's restoring power. We believe in His amazing grace, and we believe in His love that covers a multitude of sins, that, that does not look at our faults. It's not a fight, fault-finding love. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth, and it bears all things, and His love believes all things, and His love hopes all things, and His love endures all things. Okay, i got to keep going. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law. Say this, I'm dead to the law. Say it again. I'm dead to the law. Okay. Through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So what Paul is doing for us he's, is he's drawing a comparison for us. All right? Just as the woman is free freed from her husband, who is dead according to the law, so now you are dead to or freed from the law, now you belong to Christ. Is this clear enough for you tonight? All right. Verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Okay. Now, check this out. For when we were in the flesh. Now, I'm looking around this room, and I'm seeing flesh. Right? Everybody have flesh tonight? All right, so Paul cannot be talking about the fact that we have skin. Okay? He's talking about being in the flesh as in being bound to the flesh. That is the fleshly nature, the carnal nature, which is a nature that only follows 
human appetite and is not uh, 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 subject to the Spirit of God. Okay? So, with no connection to God in the Spirit, that is, if we're, you're not born again, you're not, a, you're not a child of God, you've not received salvation, then, then there is no connection to God in the Spirit. You're dead in your sins, all right? So our existence then, what Paul is saying is, our existence was simply do or don't do. That's fleshly existence. Do or don't do. Fleshly effort is all the strength that we had, which is a hopeless, lifeless strength. And the law showed the weakness of the flesh to perform what is good. All right? The law proved it. But the law also revealed its own weakness to justify a person by means of performing right. So both things were weak. The flesh was weak to, to perform the law, and the law was weak to justify the flesh. All right. In the flesh. He says, when we were in the flesh. Now take your Bible and jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for a moment. And verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16, we're going to look at 16 and 17. Therefore, from now on, look what Paul says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. 17, therefore, if anyone, is there, are there any one, are there, is there any anyone's in here tonight? All right. Or if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That is, that is the fleshly nature and us being bound to that. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now again, from that first verse that we looked at when he says, when we were in the flesh, now I want us to focus in what he says, we regard no one according to the flesh. And I want to say tonight, this is why I don't preach the law to you. This is why I continue to teach you about faith in God and the grace of God. Faith in God and the grace of God, that we are saved by grace through faith, all right? Because here's the thing, if I were to teach you that you need to live by the law, that you need to keep the commandments, then I would only be regarding you according to the flesh. And your relationship with God would be based on then how good or bad you are performing. Hey, I've sat under those sermons. I'm done with those sermons. All right? To, be, to, to only be regarded according to the flesh that I need to do and don't do, that never helped me in my Christianity. All it did was made me focus on what I could do in the flesh to get in right standing with God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's impossible. How is it? How can? Okay. Okay. Uh, because here's the thing, the good thing about you being connected to God now and the fact that you are now a new creation in Christ and you are with Him, your flesh no longer calls the shots. It doesn't determine your standing with God. Jesus determined your standing with God. And you know what He determined? Your righteousness, which means right standing with God. You are not someone who performs righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are right standing. I can't wrap my mind around that. Hallelujah. That just, what, Jesus got to the root of the problem. The condition of man was the problem, not the actions of man. If he could fix the condition, 
the actions would change. So you can't perform for right standing. You're simply born that way. All right? But now, verse 6, we have been delivered from the law. Wow. We have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. Come on, we all understand that, right? As soon as you hear you shouldn't do that, something in you says, I want to do that. Huh? It's human nature, right? I mean, I can be just flying down 75 in my car, not even thinking. And then all of a sudden, I spot a police car. All of a sudden, I'm very aware about what I'm doing. Hmm? Ten and two. Eyes on the speedometer, checking the mirrors. I am perfect Joe driver at that moment, right? Not, not even aware until I see the representative of the law. Amen. Then I'm, oh, yep. Mm-hmm. See, this is what Paul's referring to. The law brings about the knowledge of sin, all right? It shows you just how unrighteous you are. And we know the Ten Commandments. There's a, there's a lot of commit but the but the big 10 I, I mean god says you know you should have no other gods before me i'm not going to quote all of them you know uh, you should not steal you should not kill you should not commit adultery you shouldn't lie you shall not lie remember the sabbath day and then he ends it with you shall not covet which means you shouldn't do any of those things and then you shouldn't even want to do those things oh man that's i could do nine but 10 that really got me don't even want to do those things All right? What he's showing us is it's impossible to perform this through fleshly efforts because we were unregenerate. We were only identified. We can only identify ourselves by the flesh. Mm -hmm. Verse 8, but sin, taking opportunity. Watch this. This is so powerful. Taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That is, I couldn't perform what was right anymore. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Wow. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin that it might appear sin. That's what he's saying. Sin took the opportunity. When the law said don't do it, sin said, yeah, we're going to do it. All right? Was producing death in me through what is good. And this, was, this is the whole contradiction going on. Well, uh, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. In other words, that now... I have become trapped in this downward spiral, never being able to, ever, able to perform right, always in the mode of guilt and shame and in standing and falling and standing and falling and trying again and falling again. Just this cycle, this vicious cycle of never being free. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soul under sin. Hmm. 
Carnal simply means governed by mere human nature and not by the Spirit of God, under the control of animal appetites. So how can the flesh, which is carnal, which is not governed by the Spirit of God, accomplish spirituality? See, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible that we would try to be, and this is what Paul is teaching us, by showing this comparison over and over again, it's impossible to be made righteous from the outside in. Verse 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand. Wow, that's the story of my life. <laughs> for, <laughs> for what I will to do, that I do not practice. Man, I sure would like to play the guitar, but I'm not willing to practice to do it. But what I, watch this, but what I hate, that I do. Can any of you relate to Paul right here, right now? I, I want to do the right thing, but I find myself not doing the right thing. I find out the thing that I hate, that's what I find myself doing. And if then I do what I will not to do or I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer, this, this cracks me up here. It's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I mean, doesn't it sound like Paul's taking a day off here? Hmm? It's not me, it's the sin in me. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's not taking responsibility. Right? The devil made me do it. He said, this is not me. This is sin that's dwelling in me that's doing this. So is he not taking responsibility? No, no, no. He's identifying. All right? Paul is helping us understand who he is, therefore who we are. Now watch. I want to help you tonight. The fleshly desires are not your desires. And if you get caught up feeling like those bad desires are coming from you, then you'll never get free. And if you really don't know who you are and connect with who you really are, you'll never have victory over sin. You won't. If you keep, you'll, keep, you'll keep this constant weight of sin and guilt and shame on you all the time. And when you think of God, all you'll think about is how wrong you are, how things are not right between, how you should be better, how things should... Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Huh? Because you cannot look at this flesh as the sum total of you. And this is what Paul's teaching us here. There's a whole lot more to you than what you see in that mirror. Thank God Almighty. Because your spirit wants to please God. If it's this, hey, did you get his spirit when you got saved? Then you got the right spirit. That spirit wants to please God. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Right? That means you now have his desires. Okay. Verse 18. For I know that in me, now he's going to make the distinction, ladies and gentlemen. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find that. In other words, I cannot find it through the carnal nature. I cannot find to do good through this flesh because all I see is that it doesn't want to do the right thing. 
For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it. Here he is saying it again. But sin that dwells in me. Okay? So Paul is saying, this is not me. This is this flesh. And I'm not identifying with that flesh. The real me is the one that wants to do the right thing, that wants to serve God and please God. I find in a law, okay, oh, now we're seeing a law. I find in a law by, by seeing this, that evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. Hey, listen, the struggle between flesh and spirit is never going to end as long as you're alive. So you're going to have to just grow up, Christian, quit whining about how difficult it is, pull, pull, pull your bootstraps up and get to fighting, all right? And win this thing because, because the struggle, the war is always going to be there. As long as you're on planet Earth, as long as you're in this flesh, you're going to have to make this flesh do the right thing. It will not automatically do it. It doesn't want to be nice. It doesn't want to share with others. Your tongue doesn't automatically just want to say nice, caring, beautiful, friendly things. Huh? Have you lived long enough to figure that out? The first thing in the morning, you get up, and if you hadn't had your coffee like Heather, that's why I'm telling the first thing in the morning, I go straight for the kitchen, make the coffee. Get it in there, right? Hi, good morning, honey. I got you a cup of coffee there. Tame the beast now. <laughs> I tell you, she drinks that coffee and she turns into a Disney princess. It's glorious. She's... 20 years had to put up with me. I'll pray for her. I find that a law that evil's present with me. The one who wills to do good. Here we go. Look at verse 22. Highlight this in your Bible. Underline it. Do whatever it takes. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man or according to who I really am. This is the real me. That's why you can always get back up and keep moving forward, ladies and gentlemen. But if you, if, you, if you lay down and die, if you quit, if you keep identifying with yourself in the flesh, you won't want to feel like you can get up. But if you say, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. I know. I want to please God. I'm going to get up. I'm going to take the next step. And the next thought, the next thing I do is going to be for God. Huh? I'm not going to be controlled by this flesh. Hey, and it's a process. Amen. But I want to encourage you tonight. Do not quit. Don't quit on who you really are. Amen. Amen. Be who you are and do what you do. But I see another law in my members. Verse 23, warring against the law of my mind. Okay, now we're going to bring it right down to practical terms. I love the Apostle Paul because he helps us take this home. All right? I, warring in my members, that is in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, in other words, your choices are what make the difference. It's that simple. And if I choose to follow those fleshly carnal appetites, then... I am not going to live out this righteous experience. 
I'm not really going to be true to who I am. The mind is the battlefield where this takes place. Between the spirit and the flesh. So then it is by our choices that we either follow the spirit or follow the flesh. You can try to cast your mind out all you want, but it ain't going anywhere. You got to make your mind do the right thing. You got to choose the right thing. All right? Can I say something real simple to you tonight? You are in control of what you do and don't do. All right? There ain't nobody sitting in here tonight going to the bathroom on themselves. All right? Because you know how to control. All right? By choice. I mean, I hope not anyway. But this is what separates you and I from the entire animal kingdom. All right? It's kind of interesting to me. You, 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 they even have TV shows about it now, about, you know, animals attacking people, right? And people act shocked about that, right? It's an animal. It doesn't have a brain like you. It doesn't have uh, the, the ability to reason and think, oh, that's just a small child. Mm, I'm no longer hungry, right? I mean, there are two reasons why they're going to attack. They're either threatened by you or they're hungry, it's that simple, and it's that instinct for survival. That's all it is. People act freaked out by, hey, it's an animal, not you. This is what makes you, uh, put you right at the top of the food chain because that animal's not made in the image of God. You are, and he gave you this free will, the ability to choose, this gift of choice. Amen. Hallelujah. So you, you don't have to react with a survival, fleshly <clears throat> appetite, instinct, but by the Spirit of the living God, by who you really are. Amen. What you set your mind on, that's what you're going to do. That's why the Scripture says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above, not on things above. Well, how do I do that? How do I do that? How, how do you control your thoughts? By what's coming out of your mouth. All right? You can change your thinking by your speaking. Right? Three Red apples. Three red apples. You see them? Did you see them? When I said three red, did you see them? Right? What changed your thinking? What I just said. You change your thinking by what's coming out of your mouth. All right? Get the picture that you want here, right here. Illustrate with your words. Amen. And that's why Paul says, whatever things are true, whatever things are true, noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. Sounds like we might ought to turn off the TV because none of those describe what's on TV. True, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Why? So that you can experience the life God called you to live. So that you can make the right choices. You can control your thoughts. You control your thoughts by controlling your words. Therefore, you control your life. Think about you being the righteousness of God. Think about the fact that He has made you holy. He has made you blameless and above reproach. That's what Colossians says, in His sight, 
You need to see you how he sees you then. Holy, blameless, above reproach. Yeah, you don't know what I did. Yeah, yeah, you're identified with the flesh. That's not who you are. Amen. Oh, wretched man that I am, verse 24, who will deliver me from this body of death? And all he's saying, a wretched man that I am, as in this fleshly man. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, everybody say the mind, with the, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Next week in chapter 8, we'll see this explained more for us, the spiritually minded versus the carnally minded. Paul goes into great detail in chapter 8, and chapter 8 is a marvelous, marvelous chapter, and we might take a couple of weeks on that chapter because there's just so much to it. But, and I love, was this marvelous? Miss Nancy didn't even know what I was going to preach. And when you got up there and started talking about who you are, I thought, man, this is perfect. This is who we really are. But you got to talk about that, don't you? You got to confess that. You have to get your mind on that uh, so that you can experience the fullness of your salvation. Amen. Amen. So that you'll uh, get busy. I I like when one guy said, if you'll get busy doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. Amen. Hallelujah. You guys okay? All right. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful evening together in your presence where we've come here tonight to sing to you, to sing songs of praise, to lift our hands, to shout unto our God, to bless the name of our our God, and, and to remember again as we come here, we're reminded again of how great our God is and how great is his love for us and how much We really want to serve you and to love you, God. And we know that we didn't even know love or couldn't love except that you first loved us. And I thank you, Father, for all these able ministers here in this room tonight that are going back into their lives, into their workplaces, Lord. And wherever they go, that they are lights and they are salt. And I thank you, Father, God, that means that they influence wherever they go. And I thank you, Lord. May we all do as the Apostle Paul taught us to to let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that we may know how we ought to answer every man, that we would be bold enough to pray for those when we feel that need to pray for someone. We'd be bold enough to help others, God, to reach out, to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to help others hear the greatest news that has ever come to man's ears. That is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead three days later. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. What an amazing, amazing message. It's that message that saves those who believe. And Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for the opportunities that we have, Lord, even to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. Cast out devils and Lord, to, to, to speak in other tongues, Lord, and to, to bring, to demonstrate the gospel that we preach in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We don't, only, we don't only preach it, but we demonstrate it. Even as T.L. Osborne said, we owe it to the world to demonstrate the gospel we preach. And Father, that we would be willing, ready, and able at all times in the name of Jesus. Thank you for what we've received tonight. Thank you for your word. Now, God, we just say, let it take root. Let it take root in our hearts. We receive it. We understand your word is life to those who find it. It is health 
to all of our flesh. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Everett and Miss Nancy and the work that they're doing in Pittsburgh. We just pray for your blessing, your continued strength. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ upon the people there, God. I thank you for our people rallied around them, Lord, around the vision. That not only do they hear the vision, they own the vision of the house. I thank you, God, for, for strengthening them in mind and body and spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for great influence in that community, God. Thank you that this church, Lord, will be a, a beaming light for all to see, God. A place of refuge, a place of healing and restoration, a place of salvation, a place of new beginnings in the name of Jesus. Bless them in their work, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just call them blessed spiritually, financially, Lord, health-wise in Jesus' name, in, in their minds, in their, in their family, blessed exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we, tonight we bless you. We thank you that you go with your people now, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.